quitethethingmedia.com. The network, oh, without constraints. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Wrong Term Memory. My name is Jack. And my name's Colin. Jack, how are you this week? Yes, I am super duper, mate. How are you? I'm good, yeah. We are, we are bringing this to you one day late uh, than usual. We do have a busy weekend with award ceremonies, football, and all sorts of personal stuff going on. So do accept our apologies, but I'm not going to apologise that much. You get this for nothing every week, and a day late isn't that bad, really. It's not that bad, considering uh, we were we were busy. We were busy, and that's just the fucking the cookie crumble sometimes, you know. We're continuing our series going through the 90s, and we are at 1995 now, Colin. Anything that particularly jumps out for you, 1995, you turned 10, or did you turn 11? I turned 11 in 95, mm-hmm. um, so I mean, I was a right cool guy by now, by this point. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think I, I remember, this is when I I started to do things that I probably shouldn't be doing a little bit. I didn't start drinking or smoking any of that nonsense at 11, don't get me wrong. This is when I started maybe going out and not quite coming back at the time I said I would. Um, going out with my boundaries, so to speak. Going a bit further afield than when I thought I was going and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> that's probably what comes to mind when I'm at that age, rather than any... I was aware of pop culture stuff and all that sort of thing, but I think I was. this is more like you're allowed out, you can go a lot further than you went before because you were 10 sort of thing. Um, so go out with your pals, get on your bike, do what you want, but be sensible. And yeah. I remember not always being sensible. Well, that's it. Like, I was 10, so this is when your double figures, that's a big birthday for you at that age. I would say that 10, 13, 16, 18, 21, that's your five big birthdays before you should really chuck it. I did have a party for my 30th. We spoke about this before. We've spoken uh, about your badness at that before, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened. So if you're listening and you're younger than 30, which there isn't a lot of people listening that are younger than 30, but you don't have a 30th, man, just cut Get ties up. at 21. Yeah, you're done and dusted, bish, bash, bosh. My overriding memory probably is the the pop, the Britpop thing. Now, obviously Britpop had been a thing for, I don't know, four or five years before this, but I wasn't into bands like fucking Schwede or anything like that, to be perfectly honest with you. So when Oasis and Blur were sort of going head to head, that seems to jump to my mind as being like a lot of the stuff you would be speaking about in the playground if it wasn't football. Yeah, they'd been, obviously, and they'd been big for a good few years before this, but this was proper, the proper Britpop explosion, so to speak, and this was when it became into probably the mainstream and guys like us that were 10 or 11 who probably didn't know about Suede and didn't really know about James and stuff like that started to take attention to things like Pulp, Oasis, Blur, Ocean Colour Steam, that sort of stuff that was breaking through. Britpop almost just became pop at this point and that's how it became so popular and such a big deal. The single charts were still a massive, massive deal at this point. Being number one was massively important. People were invested in it, people cared, people listened to the charts on a Sunday. Well, that is it, mate. You, you mentioned pushing the boundaries when you got to about this age. Like, did you used to do the backs? Was that a thing that you'd done? Like, jump through people's back gardens? <laughs> um, I think I've done stuff like that before, yeah. I think it was more like getting chases off people was a big thing we used to do. I have mad memories of cycling up to this park that was kind of maybe two or three parks away from the park we really should have been at. 
And I always remember there was this bunch of older guys, Neds, really, looking back on it. And one of them always wore a Borussia Dortmund top. Do you remember the really fluorescent Borussia Dortmund top that was out back then? Yes. And I do vaguely remember like us being at the bottom of the hill on the bikes, then being at the top of the hill not on bikes, and shouting things like, Oh, Illumini, you cunt, and stuff like that. <laughs> and the chase would then start. And obviously, when you're get, when you're the chased rather than the chase, or the chasey, what? If you're running yeah, away, are you the chased? You are getting chased, or you're the yeah. chasey. Yeah. You're out there, the chase or the chasey, aren't you? If you're the chasey or the chased, you're not really controlling where you're going because you're just trying to get as far away from these people as you can, sort of thing. And that would we'd end up miles away from where we should be all around the south side and stuff like that basically so that's kind of what I remember from that and, and all the years of doing that and all the silliness never once get caught never yeah. once like once all close I got to being caught it was down in Overlea Park once and I remember hiding in the dock leaves like literally on my back like a soldier and all the dock leaves me and a couple of other guys and these big neds walked right past us and we felt like proper ninjas yeah like I was never really into chases because a lot of the guys from so Ibrox and Hardledge would carry fucking machetes. So <laughs> it was a case of, nah, man, let's just let them be. Like, don't annoy them. We used to kick about on the streets, but stayed away from the... And in the, the sort of gang culture that used to be bigger, I think, in certain parts of Glasgow, like maybe 25, 30 years ago. You know, like they all had the nicknames. Hardledge, Parker, Ibrox, Tongs, blah, blah, blah. Um, used to go about mentioning things. Young Moshe Derry. I was never involved in any of that. Uh, I didn't want to get chased off of guys with fucking axes, to be perfectly honest with you. One of my friends got chased. Um, he was called, I've said, I've said this before, he was called Grant, right? And he picked a nickname as Ned used to do, and he was called Scant, Big Scant, right? And he was getting chased. And this guy, he fell, and this guy had an axe, and he went, Are you Scant? And he went, No, Grant. And he went, All right, in, and never chopped him up. So that was lucky. <laughs> Saved his life. Yeah. So that was almost a UFC roundup of the week. Almost. It's close enough. It's as close as they're getting this week. On to 1995 then, Colin, and we're skipping January because not a lot happened, to be perfectly honest with you. Well, something did happen, but we'll get to it later. More of a death. But in February, uh, the United Kingdom's oldest bank, uh, Barings Bank, collapses after Nick Leeson, Ewan McGregor in the film Rogue Trader loses $1.4 billion all by himself by gambling other people's money away like a fucking maniac, like a sociopath but what do you make of these sort of white collar crimes that they kind of get away with almost like, oh, slapping the wrist three years in jail It's scary business isn't it when one guy can go rogue like this and bring a whole bank down um, especially an investment bank which would have so much money £1.4 billion uh, been invested in it by people who have put the money in there and they've made a, a wise choice, so to speak. They've looked around and thought this is the best place. It's the safest place. It's the most competitive place for our money to go. And one guy, Nick Gleason, can just decide I'm going to I'm going to be look at this Tokyo Stock Exchange that I probably don't know as much as I think I do about it, make some mad speculations and lose all the bank's money. It's, <laughs> it is mental. Um, it's also scary though that one person jacks in a position where they can do that and there's not any, I don't know, passwords or sign-offs or some sort of procedures in place to stop that happening. This guy who wasn't the bank chairman, he wasn't the CEO, he wasn't the CEO, he was literally just a broker at the bank, was able to gamble that amount of money away and ruin the bank. It's 
it's crazy. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of it, I'm going to be honest. I just know kind of the story of the one guy that brought down the bank. But when you think about how one guy was able to do that, it's actually crazy. Yes, i done a thing called risk management at university. I wanted to do criminology but didn't have the marks, so I ended up doing risk management. And this might say something about the university I ended up going to. But on the very first day, we went in and the guy stuck on Rogue Trader with Ewan McGregor like you're at fucking primary school. Uh, Watch this film. And um, we sort of bounced about that. So I do kind of know a little bit about it, yeah. He was just fraudulent as fuck. So, like, he was reporting profits to the CEOs. And back then, they just went, okay, he's making money. Let him fucking do what he wants. Because greed was good back then, you know? Like, what was that Michael Douglas film? Falling Down? No, not the one where he goes mental. The one where he's like a fucking greedy banker, basically. It doesn't matter. Um, A proposal? No, it's not that one either. Somebody will be able to tell us um, when greed was good back in the 80s and 90s. Obviously, things have changed. But anyway, um, that guy, Nick Leeson, I think ended up getting put in jail and then working either with the police or for banks again to stop stuff like this moving on into the future. One guy who got out of jail but in March, probably served longer than him for rape. Um, he been accused of rape, he's always denied it. Who are we speaking about, mate? We're speaking about um, Mike Tyson, Iron Mike, uh, obviously released from prison on March the 25th after spending just under three years in jail for rape. It's quite mad as well when you think about this one, Jack, the, the PR work that's been done with this guy since then because this is a guy that just earlier this year was on pay-per-view boxing again. People were paying money to watch him. And um, this is a guy that popped up in the Hangover films. This is a guy that's popped up on numerous TVs. He's been in WWE wrestling. He's been in AEW wrestling in the last two years or so. He's still out there. He's still making a living out of his name. Uh, there's, a, there's a big question for me as to how that's possible when somebody's been accused and went to jail and been found guilty of yeah. such a thing that their celebrity or their box office appeal is enough to make people take a sideway look at that and just, it's, it's Iron Mike, he's a great boxer, it's all good, let's bring him, let's welcome him back into the fold again. Yeah, he had a, a one-man show on Netflix not that long ago that I watched and I quite enjoyed it and he did cover his childhood and like he had a cunt of a, like, this is not me making excuses for any of his behaviour, I'm just saying he did have a cunt of a childhood, you know, drug dealing, fighting, blah blah blah, all that sort of shit from a young age, dead parents, X, Y and Z. But there is a bit where he comes out and still denies this accusation of rape. And I suppose he's been charged by the law. So you've, you've got to kind of go by that, um, I would suppose. But yeah, he still is pretty much box office with that fucking face tattoo and things like that. I remember he came to Glasgow to fight. He fought at Hamden and we got it on pay-per-view. And he ran across the ring and knocked the guy out in about, I don't know, fucking 14 seconds, including the count. And that was the first ever pay-per-view event that we tried to scoop all the money together and paid like five pounds each to sit up and watch it. Yeah, and he ran over and just (laughs) punched the guy senseless in seconds. And that was it. Done. Done and dusted. But yeah, he still got that sort of... People are still attracted to danger a little bit. And he still got that sort of vibe about him. Like, you wouldn't particularly want to get on the wrong side of him because he fuck you up. You still get that yeah. right, definitely. Yeah. That's exactly it. This um, next one, Jack's an odd one, March the 31st, because I don't know this story at all. 
Um, American singer Selena is murdered by her fan club president, Yolanda Zaldivar. Yes. Um, do you know much about this one? This um, Selena was like a massive musician in the Trejo music, which is sort of Mexican-American music. But the only reason I put this in, mate, is because do you not know somebody that runs a fan club? Yeah, well, I was going to actually mention that to you. Yeah. Right, okay, um, that's the only reason I put it in, mate. Right, okay, that's fair so enough, yeah. Tell us about I know this guy. Boy. So I know a guy, he's, he's actually a lovely boy, um, but he is a bit weird because he runs a fan club. He runs the... He runs the official Janet Jackson fan club. <laughs> Janet and fucking Jackson. he also runs the official Jackson 5 Facebook page. Um, he has got loads of pictures of himself with Janet Jackson and pictures of himself with the Alive Jacksons. And he's just Michael Jackson daft. He is obsessed with him, and to be honest. And like when the Michael Jackson documentaries were on a couple of years ago, he became absolutely prolific at defending it and just not accepting any sort of idea that Michael Jackson's a pedo. Um, but yeah, he still runs that. I think the fan clubs got a little bit quieter now and a lot more of it's done through the Facebook stuff and all that. But yeah, he is still the 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 organiser and the head guy in the Janet Jackson fan mm-hmm. club. That's it's, it's an odd, odd thing. Lovely guy, but odd, odd thing. Michael Jackson obviously got put in the Jackson 5 overbearing father at about the age of, I don't know, five or six or seven or something like that. And in May of this year, the Dalai Lama proclaims that six-year-old Gedhun Gekoi Nyami as the 11th reincarnation of the Panchian Lama. A little bit of pressure on that six-year-old then, you know. <laughs> it's just a bit. I mean, how much promise can a six-year-old show that he's going to one day be the this this guy that he is the reality? Well, he's not the reincarnation of anybody because that doesn't exist. Um, but the the Dalai Lama is quite a. If you take all religion away and stuff like that, because I'm not I'm a religious person, don't believe in God and all that sort of stuff. But I still get quite a bit of respect for the Dalai Lama Jack because he seems quite a quite a cool guy. He seems like he's his head switched on. He does good things. I think generally speaking, does does the Dalai Lama. I would rather go for a pint with the Dalai Lama than the Pope, so to speak. Yes, uh, if I um, was to pick a religion and um, to take the side of in inverted commas, I'd probably just go like Buddhism. Seems pretty chill, pretty relaxed. Fat guy. Do you know that fat guy is actually not Buddha, but the wee fat guy that you see everywhere? That's, so the Buddha statue isn't Buddha? Isn't. Um, I'm about 95% sure that he's not Buddha. He's somebody else. Um, he's got a different name. But... I might be, I might be wrong now, but yeah, Dalai if, Lama. If ever, if ever a statement on this podcast was on brand, that is it. I'm <laughs> 95% sure of what I'm saying, but I'm going to just stop saying it just in case. Yeah. Um, what was happening in August? Talking about 95 and 95% and the year 1995, Microsoft releases Windows 1995. I can remember this has been a decent incarnation of Windows. It Am was, I it was... Tripping? No, I don't think so, because before this you had things like Windows NT and MS-DOS. Yeah, this was the first um, the first real mainstream example of a GUI, a graphical user interface, where a point-and-click mouse and icons and made it a little bit user-friendly. It hung about for far too long, especially in the corporate world and in schools and stuff like that, which is really always the issue with Microsoft. Hello friends, Colin here the looks, the charm and the brains behind Runtime Memory. 
Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listing pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers uh, by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows, ad free and lots of bonus content. Windows because people use Windows I think at the most when they're at work and it's when it's at its most locked down and you can't do much with it and if they stick with an old one for so long it just seems worse and worse and worse. Um, really boring story, but I've just got Windows 10. I've got a new laptop from work. It's got Windows 10 on it, and it's the only thing I ever do that's Windows. Everything else is Mac in real life. It's genuinely made work much, much better. Windows 10 is really, really good. I'm really impressed with it. It's not yeah. Mac, but it's, it's decent. It's made such a difference to the old shitty Windows, whatever it was I had before, which was awful. Uh, XP or Vista or something, I don't know, it's went through lots of iterations that are absolutely dog shit. This <laughs> new one is a hell of a lot better, they're, they're getting closer and closer to what Apple does, which is probably the right thing for them. Yeah, the month, the month after that, I'll get it out there eventually, the Washington Post and the New York Times decided to publish something that a maniac had written, Colin. Yeah, they published the Unabomber Manifesto. Um, which was the book that he'd pretty much written whilst he with his brother and then moved before he moved to his little hut in the woods sort of thing. And they, they published it and it didn't really do any good. Um, if anything, it made them worse. Um, this was the, this, the one as well where after the police caught him, they lifted his hut, didn't they? And they moved it into a hangar and they brought him to it to show him how little control he had left and how they owned every part of him and stuff like that, which I always thought was quite interesting to be part of this piece by the police. Yeah, a psychological punch in the mouth to the Unabomber saying, look, look at your shitey wee fucking hut. It's ours now. Yeah. It's ours. So. We own it. We own you. Get it yeah. round you. Um, what was the Unabomber? was because it was bombs sent through the United Postal Service. Is that right? Una. So the United Postal Service and United Airlines, I think. Was it? Was that, that, oh, fuck. I can't remember now. That's really annoying. Or was it universities like that get sent to first? Yeah, it was universities. Oh, I don't know. It was something like that. The Unabomber comes <laughs> from don't know. The, how they were how they were sent to where they went to. I, I think you're right. I think it's universities and it was bombs. Yeah, I think um, universities and then airlines maybe. The, following on from that, the next month, French woman Jean Calmont uh, reaches the confirmed age of 120 and 238 days, making her the oldest person ever recorded. And I think that's the record, which means. Uh, she was alive in 1875. That's mental. I love the, the confirmed age, like they chopped her in half and just counted the rings in her trunk and it was 120. Like, yeah, because people I, lie about it, man, because... They do. Like, if you want to be a world record holder, just say, uh, I'm 121. Prove it. Uh, I don't have a birth certificate, but yeah, she was confirmed. So, kicking about yeah. for the, that yeah. length of time. Like, I can't really imagine anything after about... 80 for myself and that's even if I get there considering where I'm from uh, my lifestyle and stuff like that but it's kind of feel like you're just it's got sunshine just dotering about absolutely <laughs> people if, treat you if, you, if you if you get to 120 you're a hindrance to somebody 
<laughs> Deary me. Uh, to wrap up the year, mate, here in Scotland, the lowest ever temperature is recorded in the United Kingdom on December the 30th, minus 27.2 degrees centigrade up in the Scottish Highlands in Antalahara. Someday is going to pull me up for that pronunciation, but uh, this equaled the record set at Bremer and Aberdeen back in 1895, basically. So, pretty fucking chilly New Year for the Scots back then. Yeah, that's the kind of, you know, you're open the door type weather, isn't it? That's like, well, you go outside we'll and just it's just pure bread and in front of you. Fuck going out. That's when you want to. That's when you want to get your pie sports. Delivered. Long-term memory has joined forces with Pie Sports at PieSports.com. The pies are absolutely class. I love the Mister Sings Chicken Ambala. That is so tasty. That is a good one. I think my favourite would probably be the macaroni, though. I prefer meat in my pie. That's what she said. <laughs> Deary me, so if I was to pick a second favourite, it would be the steak haggis and peppercorn sauce. It's not a bad choice for any of these pies, truth be told, Jack, because you've got things like the dirty mac, the mac and cheese, the black pudding, traditional scotch pie, you've got the Mr Singh's chicken and bala like we spoke about, and if you like a bit of beef, you've got the beefy bake, the choices are endless. And even if you're trying to lose a couple of pounds like myself and Colin probably could, there is the skinny scotch, which has got 40% reduced fat. Sounds good. And one of the best things about this company is you don't have to go to the bakers and stand in a queue with people full of germs to get these. You don't have to go to Asda. You don't have to go to Morrison's. You don't have to go to Tesco. Nowhere like that. You go to piesports.com. You select your pies. You put in your address and they deliver them to your house anywhere in central Scotland. It couldn't be easier than that. As a listener, you get special treatment though and you can win a box of pies delivered anywhere in the UK. All you've got to do is look out for hashtag WTM Pies on Twitter or use our website wrongtermemory.com and fill in the form there and you could win a box of pies each week on the show. May as well pass to a couple of other Scottish legends. That's magic. Well, what's that? 17 minutes ago, was it? Mm. We're in the house minding marine business, lying in my ribs, then boof, we're here on the high street searching for the beefy bake. Huh. That is the power of advertising, Jack Boy. Mm. We are the mere puppets of your market and big wigs. That was a little bit of techno head, I want to be a hippie. And if you like the bouncy tunes, by the way, you should check out Tunes FM, uh, the lost tapes, which have been found in Jack's Loft. Whether or not that Jack is me is unconfirmed, but it's out, or will be out soon. And like I say, it's heavy bouncing. Uh, going back to the pirate radio days of 25 years ago. That's enough plugs, fucking hell, man. That's all we're turning into. These um, marketing bigwigs, as Jack and Victor just said. But what is happening across pop culture, Colin? There's some big, big songs in the charts. The three biggest selling songs of the year. Two of them come from the same people. Number one, yeah. you've got the double A side. Unchained Melody and The White Cliffs of Dover by Robson and Jerome, famous at the time from the TV show Soldier, uh, Soldier, Soldier. Um, that was at number one. They had number three as well of I Believe and Up on the Roof. Uh, and in the middle of the two, Sandwich Between Robson and Jerome was Coolio featuring LV with this song from Dangerous Minds, Gangster's Paradise. Yes. Um, I remember not liking the Robson and Jerome stuff. <laughs> at all, even at that age, thinking this is awful shit, it shouldn't be in the charts. But I also remember probably the first rap song that I knew, lyric for lyric, word for word, was uh, Coolio, Gangster's Paradise. Even after Fresh Prince? 
that well as in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, that's a wee thirty second. That's a pro. This is a proper full rap single, I would say. Fair and enough. I literally knew every word to it, and I used to rap, stroke, sing it, and think I was cool. There was actually quite a kind of seismic change in the way that the charts were working back in nineteen ninety five. Basically, where instead of like singles coming into the charts and coming in at number ten and then number seven the next week, blah, 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 up to one. Basically, halfway through the year, songs just popped up at number one and peaked and went down a bit. I'm going to ask you, mate, because you're the music man here. Why do you think that was? Was it the whole sort of invasion of your oasis and stuff like that where everybody went fucking mental and bought it all at once? I, I didn't realise that this was the time when that first became a thing. Um, but when it did start becoming, it was because of the promotion of the yeah. songs. Basically, songs used to be promoted by being released and they would go into the chart a few people would buy them and go into number 30 or so so people would hear them in the chart and they'd gradually go up the parade so to speak which is still pretty much how it works in America their chart is still like a case of coming in and then building um, whereas this must be around about that time where you would hear a single on the radio now for three or four weeks before it counts as a single you'd see it on MTV Select and all this sort of stuff so you had the build up you had people wanting it and then the first week sales would be the biggest ones and this, was the, this must have been the start of that then yeah, it sounds, well that makes sense of course. Uh, biggest selling albums, Robson and Jerome were kicking about with the self-titled album, Robson and Jerome and Oasis, um, unsurprisingly. I kind of thought they'd have been in at number one, to be perfectly honest with you, but it was probably when that got released, um, didn't give them enough time to get the, the top of the full year album charts, but they came in at number two with What's the Story, Morning Glory. It's just it's that Robson and Jerome thing though, Jack. It's got it's got that supermarket vibe to it that that'll probably sell more copies in Asda and Tesco than it would have done in HMV because your granny will buy it, your mum will buy it, etc. And it's good that something like What's This Only Morning Glory was, it just can't compete with those numbers because it's so middle of the road and so many people from so many walks of life would buy it. Um, they were at- I believe Robson and Jerome were a Simon Cole invention. I'm sure that was one of his early early steps into music for some of the stuff he did with them. Yeah, they would have been fucking all over the TV and stuff like that at the time as well. Like, was it London's Burning or whatever? Were they in that? So they'd have been like really famous. Soldier, Soldier. ITV, Your Soldier. And then obviously, I think think it was Jerome went on to become Braun in Game of Thrones. He became quite a big deal in that show. And it wasn't until about a year or so that people didn't realise who he was. And people couldn't believe that this was Robson and Jerome. Have you noticed? Sorry, have you noticed that there's been a sort of sudden spike in fishing shows on the telly like it kind of started with Bob and Paul uh, their fishing stories but there's about four or five on at the moment and one of them is Robson Green yeah Yeah, he's got one he's got one weirdly I sat and watched one for an hour the other night Colin just kind of interested in it like it wasn't this one it was another one where they were trying to catch massive carp and they use, like, wee fucking boat machines and different bait. And I've never been fishing. I don't ever want to go fishing in my life, but I found myself just sitting, sort of, watching it for an hour. So maybe that's what it is. It's almost easy listening. It's, like, Mm -hmm. easy watching TV, isn't it? We've spoke before about the the Bob Mortimer, um, Bob Whitehouse programme, how good that is. But that's all about the people. And then you've got beautiful landscape in the background. It's nice to watch. It's, It's a good formula. Yeah, the Mercury Prize, spoke about this before, the Wankers Wankers Prize goes to Portishead with the album Dummy. Does that ring a bell? I remember it. I remember the, the album cover, but it was never my bag, so I couldn't tell you a single song that's on it. 
Yeah, let's bounce on to the movies then. Top three movies. Die Hard with a Vengeance, making 366 million. Toy Story in at number two, 363 million. And Apollo 13, making 355 million at the box office. Pick your favourite out of those three, Colin. Oof, Tom Hanks is all over that, isn't he? Um, I've never seen Die Hard with a Vengeance. I don't think I've played the PlayStation game, but not not watched the film. And I've never seen Apollo 13, so I'm going to have to go with Toy Story. Yeah, I would probably go for Toy Story as well, to be perfectly honest with you. A classic and trailblazing member of the genre, basically. The awards this year were sort of all over the place, to be perfectly honest with you. Like, people didn't know what to fucking pick. Like, the Golden Globes went for Best Films, Sense and Sensibility. Uh, Babe was also in there. I don't know if that means it came second. Um, I've cut and pasted this. Sense and Sensibility at the Critics' Choice, but Apollo 13 at another awards. Braveheart won an Academy Award. Freedom! Yeah, <laughs> yeah shit like that. And Sense and Sensibility, so people seem to like that. Never watched Sense and Sensibility, period. Shit is shit, in it's, my opinion. Awful. Yeah, generally speaking, it is awful. I'm sure this is the one which became famous because of Mr. Darcy coming out the river and all that sort of stuff. Right. I think that was this. It was either that or Pride and Prejudice. It's, it's two cheeks of the same shitty arse, anyway. <laughs> it really is, yes. Uh, births, let's have a couple of births. Uh, people are getting much younger, obviously, now. Uh, Jeju <laughs> was born, a South Korean singer, actress and model. Um, I took a little Google of her and you would Jeju right all over her. No, I don't know. Mike, edit point. <laughs> I'm yeah, okay. That's cancelled. <laughs> yes. um, July the 4th, um, it was the birth of Post Malone, American rapper. Um, I'm sure he's got tattoos all over his face and stuff like that. Face tattoo. I think he's one of those rappers that does a be singy thing as well. Um, couldn't name a song of his. And if he walked, if he was walking about Bollock, one of the guys that was speaking about earlier, but an axe would just turn back up like that. Oh, yeah, we are though. And uh, kick his cunt in. I don't know why South Koreans do this, but there's a guy uh, born in 1995 called V. So again, if you're trying to search for him in Google, you're absolutely fucked. Who's dying? Well. <laughs> I love you, Rose. January the 1st of Red West. Um, serial killer died, uh, born in 1941, had left a pretty prolific um, catalogue of crimes and graves and stuff behind him. Uh, he died leaving his uh, his one true love, Rose, to rot in prison. Yeah, so like, quite a happy start to the new year, um, if you don't like fucking serial killers. A couple of months after that, in February, Ed Flanders dies. Not Ned Flanders. That's no, the only reason I put Ned that in. Flanders. Anyway, over to the listeners. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. We just got a letter. Wonder who it's Massive thanks to everybody that's got in contact. And this is what I love, Colin, because I'll let you take this one. People were having a sort of back and forth on this about their memories of 1995, and it's good to see people sort of having that chit chat. It was the first person to get involved was a guy called Snake Derek. Um, old Snake had to say this was the best year of his life. It was the summer between primary and secondary school. Rangers were the top dogs that just signed Gaza, and there's a whole host of top tunes kicking about. Absolutely magic, and he would go back to that time in a heartbeat. Yeah, Kev, who presents What a Maneuver, uh, the wrestling podcast on Quite a Thing Media, which you should go check out, another plug. Um, he pops in and says, I'm sure Stephen, who's one of our friends, had a Gaza haircut. Stephen replied to that and said he did. Yeah. So uh, Kev was right. Um, Snake Derek got involved in this chat as well. He said to say his ma wouldn't let him get a Gaza haircut, but he did buy the Gaza Predators though. 
Yes, um, my mother didn't let me do that either, um, because I've said this before, she had this mental image in her head of just football hooliganism, and that if somebody noticed that you were a Rangers fan and they were a Celtic fan, they were definitely going to murder you. I have I've had a, a desire or a, a daft want in my head for the last two months or so to bleach my hair blonde. I thought you were um, going to say go silver. No, not silver. Uh, we know somebody did that and it wasn't great. Um, but yeah, I wanted to go silver. Uh, go blonde, sorry. Um, I was going to do it for the summer um, and my wife basically didn't talk me out of it but she just gave me a look um, which told me I shouldn't do it. And she's right because I've got a, quite a prominent beard and it's bits of brown, bits of ginger and bits of grey that's in it at the moment. <laughs> and... I don't think a ginger beard and blonde hair really looks great and I'm not prepared to lose the beard. But I do really, really want to dye my hair blonde. But I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I mean, going to a metal gig at, um, oh, what's that place? King Touch uh, in Glasgow City Centre, which is quite a sort of famous place. Uh, Oasis. Where Oasis were discovered. Oasis yeah. were discovered there, yes. Went there for a metal gig and felt I was a little bit too ginger, so I put a little bit of Just For Men on my beard and dyed it black for the night almost. Uh, I looked like a fucking prick and I had to shave the next day, but I don't know what fucking overcame me, man. I just thought it was a good idea at the time. Like, yeah, metal, uh, let's have a black beard and not a ginger beard, but look. I do, I do have beard dye that I use. Um, of course you do. do you know what? Yeah. I haven't used it once since lockdown started because I've not been going out and going really doing anything, but I do have, it's a, like a vegan-friendly herbal beard dye sort of thing you basically put it on for 20 minutes then wash it off in the shower um, and it just takes away some of the red and makes it more brownie mm-hmm. um, and I was using that maybe twice a week before lockdown but then lockdown started and I just gave up so yeah. still in the bathroom they might bring it back Vanity is wild in you at times mate um, it thought... smells like weed by the way see when you mix it all up it stinks of weed because it's really it just smells of grass and it's not it's not cool. It's, it stinks, but it does work. So uncool that you started smashing the place up. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Whamcast, um, what a manoeuvre. They actually got in contact as well. I've already mentioned them like 10 seconds ago, but this is one for you, Colin. Probably the worst year in terms of being a WWE fan. Uh, it is still nearly unwatchable. Yeah, 1995 wasn't a great time for the business. Um WWE were poor, WCW had only really just came about, they weren't really up and running properly yet and this quality wrestling was really, really poor, WWE running out of money they were close to actually chucking it at points not yeah. a good time, and one of the good things about WWE is the back catalogue's amazing you can go back and watch so much good stuff from the past that year though, avoid it like the plague yeah Jack, another Jack, got in contact, and this hasn't been verified, but he said the deep-fried Mars bar made its debut in Scotland. I've never had one. I've never deep-fried any chocolate. Uh, I don't see the appeal in it, to be perfectly honest with you. Have you ever tried anything like that? I haven't, mate, no. I've never tried one. No desire to do so either. Um, I've been told that a deep-fried cream egg is the best one to do it with. Apparently, it's tremendous. But, nah, it's not for me. Not at all. I would rather have like a proper deep fried, like I, I like a deep fried pizza. See a deep fried pizza, mate, amazing. But Mars Bar, nope. My name is Jeff. His name is Jeff, and this is a podcast fella. Always getting in contact, which is good. His memories, he's got a list here. Um, the OKC bombing 
basically. Oklahoma, um, isn't it? Oklahoma, yeah, 168 people died, eight federal marshals and 19 children are killed at the federal building, as well as 680 people injured by a bomb set off by Timothy McVeigh and one of his accomplices, so a fucking maniac bombing America. MJ returns to the NBA, not Michael Jackson, I wouldn't imagine. No, it was Michael Jordan after his wee stint doing the old baseball, I think that was. Mm -hmm. He's also, like, he, a couple of people brought this up. Uh, OJ found innocent. Bradley Johnson also mentioned that, but he put it slightly uh, more in my terms. OJ Simpson, not guilty. Lol. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yes. <laughs> Howard Stern, his radio show premieres. Uh, he's a wank. Uh, Toy Story in Braveheart, says Jeff. Gangster's Paradise, that's been mentioned. And Dear Mama, what's Dear Mama, oh, mate? Do you know? That's a, that's a two-pack song. Right, okay, not it's a very good my, two-pack song. Not my, not my bag. Um, Jeff obviously moved away from the WWF to watch a little bit of WCW. Uh, Monday Night Nitro debuts in nineteen ninety-five. That's something you remember, mate. It was. This was like the the competition to WWE. They had WWE Raw on a Monday night. WCW brought in Monday Nitro. Um, Nitro was an hour longer and it focused more on the wrestling rather than the characters. And it became a big, big thing with the two guys, the two companies competing for ratings basically every week. Yeah, I got into WCW a little bit because a local video shop used to have the WCW videos, but didn't have any WWF videos, so we would get them out every now and again. I'm going to wrap it up with Andy from that UFO podcast. Um, he got very excited about 1995 and sent about four tweets in a row. So uh, remember some of the movies that year, Batman Forever. Uh, at the cinema being a highlight, albeit not a great movie now. Uh, as a kid, McDonald's had a huge promotion on. I don't know what huge promotion he's talking about. I don't know if that's to do with Batman Forever or if it's just like a huge promotion. Mm. Here's a question, Jack. Do you remember, you know, like McDonald's or not a McDonald's and the Hamburglar and stuff like that? Yeah. Do you remember the Burger King version with Kidvid and stuff like that? Oh, fuck no, man. No, it doesn't ring a bell. Right, Burger King definitely had their version of like their characters, and I'm sure theirs was this like guy that was supposed to be cool, and he had like video goggles for eyes or something, and he was called Kidvid. Um, I can't be bothered googling it, but somebody somebody tells on Twitter about it if I'm right or not. Okay, images. I've googled uh, Burger King mascot Kidvid, and all oh, right, oh this cunt. Oh, I do remember him a wee bit actually, um, dressed in sort of red, white, and blue with the blonde hair and a fucking stupid pair of specs on. Yes, uh, he does sort of ring a bell a little bit. Goldeneye came out, and Andy was saying um, his gran he bought me the VHS, and I don't know if she wouldn't have bought him otherwise, but she won uh, thirty-two grand on the pools. Fucking hell! Thirty-two <laughs> grand in nineteen eighty-five, and she bought my fucking video. I know. I was just about to say that. Come on. Fucking. <laughs> okay, he must have been. She must have hated him. He must have been like, "Granny, Granny, you seen that thing in the sky?" No, nobody has, <laughs> mate. <laughs> doesn't exist. Fighting it out. Yeah, at number one, he remembers that. And we'll let you wrap this one up with these. Um, yeah, Andy with a little bit of a salty memory here. You can tell he's still <laughs> upset about this. It still affects him. He's still upset. He finished joint third, joint third uh, at a caravan <laughs> karaoke contest singing Wonderwall. He got robbed off first place by some lassie who bottled singing Celine Dion and some dancers. So what um, Andy's told us here, Jack, is he actually got beaten in a karaoke contest by a dancer and someone who <laughs> didn't sing and somebody that didn't sing. Um, so yeah. 
No wonder your gran hated you, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck out, days, hang me, yeah? That'll do it. Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, again, apologies it was late, but I hope you enjoyed it nonetheless. Yeah, next week, um, we're going to take a little break from the 90s, actually, to split it up a little bit, and we're going to speak science. Looking forward to that, because there's one thing I'm not good at and don't know anything about, it's science. You're getting so quizzed. Yeah. Wonderful. Check us out on Twitter, hashtag WTM Pies. Bye! Browse only the best pods in the best network. Quite the thing media.com.